Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. back to our series, our regularly scheduled programming, if you will. Y'all heard that before. Uh, we took a two-week break because of uh, Doctrine and Donuts and then for Easter. And so this morning we go back to our list. We've been talking about uh, our series. We've been talking about lists. We've been talking about the fact that most of us have lists in life. Um, my, my mom is to blame for my listiness. I don't even, that's not a word, but I haven't made one up in a while. So, uh, I, we, we make lists about lists. Literally. I, I have, my mom has lists to tell her where her lists are to, to deal with her lists. It's ridiculous. I've never seen, so you're, I blame you, mom, that I am the, we have lists on paper. We have lists on our phone. Some of you make lists on your hand, sticky notes everywhere. They're supposed to keep us ordered, right? They're supposed to keep our life functioning. And so there are all kinds of lists. There's top 10 lists. There's uh, lists that you want to be on. Like how many of you would volunteer to be on the Forbes most wealthiest persons in the world list? Yeah. I got a few volunteers. I see those hands. I'm going to give the altar call again right now. Uh, I got more hands that time. And uh, there are also lists that you don't want to be on, like uh, how about the worst dressed lists? We ought to do, no, we're not going to do one of those around here. No, no, no. Uh, there's one list that most of us don't even know exists, and uh, we're not even aware of it, but we need to be aware of it. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, talked to us about God's blacklist. He lists things that when you get involved in these things, uh, he says, you don't want to be on that list. Let me read you the list. We started it a few weeks ago. So Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, listen very carefully. He lists these things for us, and I'm thankful that he did so that we can avoid them. He says this, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I don't know if you noticed it, but Solomon dropped the H-bomb right in the middle of his dissertation here. He said, God hates. That's pretty strong language. God hates these six things. And then he goes on and says, well, in fact, there's seven things because two of them are very alike, which was lying, and we dealt with that. He hates these things. So, in other words, we ought to avoid ever participating in any of these seven things because if we participate in these things, we end up on God's blacklist. And how many of you know this is worse than being on any list we've ever devised? We don't want to be on God's blacklist, right? I want to be on God's good side. How many of you found that God's good side is better than his bad side? Okay, just wanted to see. So we dealt with proud eyes. We dealt with lying. And then two weeks ago, um, my dad dealt with heavy hands. And so today what we're going to deal with is we are going to deal with the fourth one, which is that it is a heart that devises wicked schemes. I find it ironic this morning. Nobody else sees the irony. I see that it is ironic that the Sunday I get to come back and deal with this series, we're on heart stuff. Uh, 
for those of you that don't know, um, uh, four weeks ago yesterday, I had what the doctor described as a mild heart attack. I have discovered that there is uh, uh, a difference between a, heart, a mild heart attack and a severe or a major heart attack. You know what the difference is? Mild is when it's happening to you. Major is when it's happening to me. So the doctor said I had a mild one. I looked at him and said, no, it wasn't. It was a major one. It happened to me. It was major for me. And so we're trying to deal with heart issues, and we do appreciate your thoughtfulness. You guys took up a love offering for us, and you'll never know how much it means. And you've called, and you've checked on us, and, and you've asked me every time I ever see any of you, you ask me the same question, have you started eating vegetables? And the answer is no. I'm taking, I'm taking pills that have vegetables in them, and, and hopefully they work. We'll find out soon. So it's just ironic to me that the Sunday back, it's uh, heart issues. And when you really think about it, that's what Solomon's talking about. Solomon understood that we have heart issues. In fact, I think what Solomon's really trying to do is he's, get, he's, he's really trying to address, we, we like to deal with heart issues and, and deal with our physical health and, and, and address all that. But Solomon's going deeper than that and he's talking about spiritual heart issues. You'll remember that in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Solomon has already addri- addressed our heart when he makes this statement. I-, I need you to understand this is a powerful statement. I mentioned this to our young people on Wednesday night that this is a crucial um, insight and advice to us. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says, above all else. Now, when you say above all else, that means you've, you've, wor- you've worked it down to the grassroots bottom line. Above all else, check out your 401k. Make sure it's healthy. Make sure you got enough money so that it doesn't run out. Yeah. Above all else, take, take care of your car because you don't want to be stranded on the side of the road. Above all else, make sure, sure you wear the designer clothes so that you look really sharp because a sharp dress, man, everybody loves a sharp. Y'all don't know that song. Okay. Uh, no. He, he, when he boils it all down, he says this, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. That's what he says. Guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. So, so with this understanding, now Solomon comes back onto the scene on Proverbs chapter 6, and he makes this statement, God hates a heart that devises wicked schemes. Hmm. So in other words, you got to watch your heart. So here's what Solomon's trying to do. I think what Solomon is saying is that we must guard against heart attacks. I'm going to quit preaching stuff like this because I always got to deal with stuff before I preach. Okay, I'm going to start preaching like the Lord wants to bless you with a million dollars. I'm going to preach like that because it always happens to me. Okay, y'all don't, y'all don't even care. So um, we've got to guard against heart attacks. Everything we do flows out of the heart. Jesus even addresses in a powerful passage of Scripture that I had literally almost forgotten about and was reminded of. Jesus then comes on the scene when he's walking on this planet, and he addresses the heart. He's told Solomon, the wisest man, said, guard your heart because everything you do flows out of it. He says, God hates a heart that divides wicked schemes, right? Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 15, and listen to what he says about the heart. This one's not quite as nice as Solomon. Listen carefully. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, For out of the heart comes 
evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. I figured it'd be quiet. Jesus says that's what comes out of our hearts. Okay. The worst of the worst comes from, originates from where? Our heart. He knew the heart of man. He understood the heart of man. It's our heart. So Solomon says, you've got, against, you've got to guard against heart attacks because for some reason we are so evil when we're left our own devices that the worst of the worst, according to Jesus, originates and starts in our hearts. See, we, we, what we think is, is that it's our thought life that's out of control, and in many cases it is. But the truth is, is that, that you can work on your mind all you want to, and, and, but until you address your heart, you will continue to fail in your thought life. Why? Because all of our thoughts don't originate in our head. They originate in our heart. It's quiet in here this morning. Well, you're going to get quieter when I ask you this question. How many of us have had a soul change but have had no heart change? Let me say it like this. Let me say it another way. How many of us allow Jesus to address eternity in our life, but we fail to allow him to change us at a core level? We run to the altars and we weep and we cry out to Jesus, save us. We don't want to go to hell. We don't want to burn. We don't, all that stuff. And, and our eternal situation is changed, but we never allow him to address our heart. And so out of our heart, all this stuff begins to originate. Oh, it's, it's a, can I just tell you, I, I think I told you uh, what the doctor said to me. The doctor said to me two things that, probably resonate the most out of this whole situation in my own life. He said that you have heart issues because of heredity and stress. I'm here to diagnose your heart condition this morning. You have heart issues. We all have heart issues because of heredity. When, when Adam and Eve, okay, you're with me now. The second thing that they've told us in my situation, both doctors, the one in Springfield and then when I met with the cardiologist here, said the same thing. If you hadn't got help when you got help, it would have been catastrophic. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you don't allow Jesus to do more than just save you for eternity, if you don't allow Jesus to do something about your heart, it will be catastrophic because everything evil originates in our heart. If the heart is naturally turned to and has the ability to allow the list that Jesus talks about to flow out of it, then it is absolutely imperative that we do a heart scan on a regular basis. Every once in a while, even if you've been saved since the crust of the earth was formed. I, some of, some of y'all act like you've always been saved. I came out saved. I, I'm so nice and neat and clean. And Even if you've never, you can't even hardly remember being unsaved. All of us need to consistently, on a regular basis, have a heart scan. 
so that the Holy Spirit can show us on a daily basis whether we're surrendered in our heart or not. There's a teaching going around. I've read article after article about these pastors that are now, they refuse to, to say this in a service. Is there anybody here that would like to ask Jesus to come into my heart? And they're saying, no, no, don't ask just into your heart. That's wrong. That's not theologically correct. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life and become, I get what they're saying. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about your heart because everything else flows out of your heart. How many of us have allowed our heart to become fixated on evil? We allow our heart to flirt and then we give ourselves a pass because our hands haven't acted out on what is going on in our heart. We allow our heart to harbor hate and anger, but we grant ourselves a pass because our face continues to smile even though deep down on the inside of us we're prejudiced. How many of us allow our heart to rebel, but we, on the outside we keep showing up in services, we keep dressing up nice, we keep saying I'm too blessed to be stressed and all that other stuff, but down deep on the inside of us there's rebellion going on, but we give ourselves a pass because it's just in our heart. There's a problem with that. There's two statements in the New Testament that lay this type of life out as bare and wrong. The first statement was, is this one. It's this statement that's almost like a riddle. It, it, it's gross, but it points it out. It says, the dog refer, returns to his vomit and the pig returns to his wallow. Do you understand the implications of that statement? What that literally means is that you've got to notice the order because what that means is that there is an inward corruption that always precedes outward demonstration and action. That's what that means. A dog will return to the inner corruption, his vomit, and then the pig will return to his wallow, the outward demonstration. That, that's the order that takes place. If you are inwardly in your heart corrupted, it is just a matter of time. You are a ticking time bomb. There will be a heart attack eventually. There will be a heart issue that comes to surface. If you're inwardly corrupted, it is just a matter of time at where in the right environment, at the right moment, when you refuse to deal with climate, at the right time, that all of a sudden, all that stuff that's going on inside of you inwardly will then follow, will be followed by an outward demonstration of the inward corruption. I'm preaching better than, okay. The second statement is when Jesus said this, you have been taught that adultery is sin, but I declare to you that if you look on a woman with lust, then you have committed adultery just by looking. We don't like that passage of Scripture because what that means is, is that Jesus has raised the standard and the bar because he knew that what was at stake is a question of our heart. That's, that's how a man... I'm, I'm just convinced of this because I've been trying to figure all this out over the last few years. I, I, this, I've, I've got it now. I got it. I understand it now. What I understand is that that's, this is why a man can sit and amen for years and sit under sound doctrinal teaching and can raise his hands and worship and then out of nowhere book that hotel room. Y'all know what I'm saying. That, that's how a woman can... can sing and worship and demonstrate outwardly at least we think that she's in love with Jesus and then all of a sudden out of nowhere she chunks it all aside and she chases after that man that's how that happens that's how a young person can sit 
in our services on Wednesday nights and hear the powerful word that is declared. They can wear the t-shirts and they can say the right things and then out of nowhere they seem to go off the deep end. That's how a family on the weekends can worship God and then the rest of the week they can be so caught up worshiping houses and cars and bank accounts and the rest of their, 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 their heart is given. It's because of our hearts. It's because we surrender our our eternal issues, but we don't deal with our heart issues. That's how. We let Jesus into our soul, and we barricade our heart. We surrender our eternity, and we fight to follow our heart. We have forgotten what Jeremiah says about our heart. You know what Jeremiah, we have forgotten. Do you know what Jeremiah said about our heart? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, this is what he says. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. You let that sink in for a second. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and they're beyond cure. The only hope, I'm declaring this to you this morning, the only hope you've got is to let Jesus into your heart. I didn't say you weren't saved. I didn't say you weren't going to heaven. I know you're so spiritual, you glow, and every stoplight you come to turns green about 15 seconds before you get there because you're so highly favored and blessed of God. I get it. I get it. But what I am saying is that you better come to this place where you allow Jesus to do more than just deal with your your eternal destination and deal with favor and deal with prosperity and allow him to get into your heart and deal with your heart. See, we're told by man that we should just trust our heart. Why would you trust something that's deceitful and beyond cure? God says don't trust your heart. Trust the only one who can deal with your heart. Your heart, in other words, can ride along, but your heart can't be allowed to drive. Some of y'all keep showing up at the wrong relationship and wrong locations and wrong destination because you're allowing your heart to drive. Your heart can ride along, but you better let Jesus drive. Because Jesus gets to override all your emotions and how logical you think you are and how smart you think you are and all that stuff. We allow all that to drive. Jesus said, man, get out of the seat. Let me drive. I'll take you to the right place. The second thing that I, I notice is that Solomon addresses this. He, Solomon includes this in his list. He says, he says, God hates a heart that devises evil. If your heart is not dealt with by Jesus, then you're going to make this list. And from this list, it is very apparent that there are people out there, out there, I'm not talking about y'all, so don't get uncomfortable now. Somebody out there, not you. There are people out there that devise and plan and strategize and organize and invent pain for other people. So what Solomon is saying is this, we gotta, we've got to stop planning pain. Y'all take good notes because I'm talking about your neighbor right now. I'm not talking about you. One writer says this, he says, there are evil thoughts in all men's hearts, but the devising, fabricating of them, and thus making the heart into a devil's workshop is the mark of utter depravity and wickedness we got to stop 
planning pain. Whose pain are you planning? Whose pain do you fantasize about? Come on now, we're going to get really practical here. Some of y'all lay awake at night and strategize pain for somebody else. Y'all wished I didn't come back. I got you. Uh, Whose pain would you delight in? See, I'm convinced that, especially after this past week on Facebook, I, I am completely convinced that many of us that have experienced great grace are not very good about extending any grace. Our desires, the heart, our heart devises plans for revenge and retribution and retaliation. And if we aren't conscious of that and don't do a consistent and regular heart scan, we find ourselves on the blacklist. But Steve, you don't know what they did to me. They stole from me. I took my car and and I asked them to fix the alternator and instead they replaced the whole engine and I had to play it because they said they're going to lock my car up and they'd never give it back. I hate them. I go by every week and point a finger at them and I say bad things about them and, and you just don't know. They broke my heart. They left me. They said they'd love me forever. They treated me wrong. They fired me right at the worst possible moment that they could have fired me. They fired me. They treated my kids wrong. You're right. I don't know what they did to you. But when we begin to devise wicked schemes against them, can I tell you what we're doing? We are literally stating that we are convinced that God doesn't know what they did, or worse, that he doesn't care. I know y'all smiling right now, but some of y'all lay at home, and you've got, you got your own little blacklist, and somebody's on it, and man, you have schemed. I got schemes, man. They're going to walk out one day, and trees going to fall on them. I got it all figured out. I'm going to catch them at the right moment, and they didn't even know that I'm still mad 22 years later. But now, when right at the right moment, they're going to show up at the family reunion, and when they stick their fork in that food that I wanted, I'm going to unload on them, and I've already figured out everything I'm going to say. I'm going to go to my high school reunion 50 years later, and she broke my heart when I was 16, and now when she doesn't look like she did when she was 16 and gravity has taken effect, I'm going to step up and I'm going to say, okay. We begin to scheme, and when we begin to scheme, we are working with the devil, and we... Rather than trusting the integrity of the God that we worship on a weekly basis when he says that revenge is mine, we step in and we we exact revenge and we take something that belongs to God away. Some of you have preempted God and now you're angry with God because it doesn't seem like that he has stepped in on your behalf. And now I would submit to you that God's angry at you. I didn't drop the H-bomb. Solomon did. God hates you. Ooh, that was strong. Okay, that came back at me. Uh, Okay, I'll make it nice. He doesn't like you very much. 
He checked no on, do you like me on the little, okay. He gets angry because you took his place. When we don't allow God to operate, we are literally stating that we don't really trust or believe in kingdom principles that he gave us. He says if they sow, they will reap. The dilemma is this, is, is we just become impatient because the reaping isn't on our timetable. I want them to hurt now. I want them to suffer greatly, and I want them to suffer now. I want to be there to see it. So we scheme, and we devise, and we plan. Now, we worship on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. But in the private moments, out of the heart, Jesus says that slander originates And wickedness and murder comes out of our hearts. We need to slow down. We need to start turning some stuff over to God and let him be God. Anybody else in here honest enough to say, I got some folks I wish God would get? I got some folks. Y'all want to shout out their name real loud? We'll just take one. I'll give you the mic one by one. We'll go around. Your top person on the list. I know you got a list. I got a list. Get them. Sick them, Jesus. Here's the truth. God isn't blind. He isn't forgetful. But he is slow to anger. And I get so excited about that statement. He's slow to anger when it's about me. I just don't like his slowness when it comes to you. Because we don't understand grace. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't get angry. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't act. It's just not on our time frame. We got to stop planning people's pain. I know they hurt you. Come on, man. All of us have dealt with hurt. I got all kinds of schemes in mind for for the doctor that told me I had to eat beets and beans. I got some schemes, man. Come on. We need to let all that stuff go. Some of y'all been carrying that junk around for years, and they're not in prison. You are. That's what all that bitterness does. It doesn't impact them a bit. Newsflash, they're not even thinking about you. Your whole world is wrapped up into what that 16-year-old girl said to you when you were 17 years old, and she wouldn't give you the time of day, and I can't forget I'm hurt and I'm angry. Man, she ain't thought about you. That spouse that left you, every morning you wake up, I hate them. I despise them. Dirty dog. Look at your kids go, don't you grow up and be like your daddy because your daddy. Man, he ain't thinking about you. The only one in bondage is you. I hate my boss. Man, man, he's a jerk. Take this job and. They ain't thinking about you. The only one in bondage is you. Quit planning pain. If we're not careful, then our heart will deceive us and we find ourselves on a blacklist. I believe that every one of us must 
from a very early age learn to consistently ask Jesus to do a heart scan. Has your heart been attacked? Have you given yourself a free pass where with my mouth I worship, but in my heart there's all this stuff originating, slander and murder and adultery and sexual immorality. That's what Jesus says starts in our heart. But I haven't acted on it. You will. It's just a matter of time. Unless you deal with your heart. We need to allow Jesus to come into our hearts this morning and deal with the evil that resides there on a regular basis. And we need to allow him to allow us to free people and quit planning their pain. Why? So we can get off the blacklist. So I'm asking about your heart this morning. As somebody that's had to ask themselves about their heart, may I ask you about your heart this morning? This isn't about beets and beans. This is about what's in your heart. I'm not asking whether you're saved. I'm, you bowed your knee. You've, I ask. Nobody raised So you're all, you've all are saying, I know Jesus, but have you let him have your heart? Father, this morning I pray that we would learn to be very honest with you. The truth is, Father, that we all have heart issues. It's hereditary. We can't get away from it. On a daily basis, as saved as we are, and the great grace that we've experienced, the truth is, is that because of heredity, we have this tendency to allow evil to originate in our hearts. Father, I pray for each person under the sound of my voice this morning that they would guard their heart above all else. They would guard their heart against attacks. The enemy is trying to get a hold of their heart. He's trying to work it out so that there's bitterness there and revenge there and anger there and hate there, calloused, apathy, prejudice. I pray you deal with our hearts this morning. Father, for that individual under the sound of my voice this morning that has been planning somebody's pain, I, I don't diminish or make light of what caused them to be in this position. All of us have people in our past, some more distant, some more recent, that have hurt us. They said the wrong thing at the wrong time. They intentionally tried to harm us they stole from us. They injured us. They berated us and belittled us. They crushed us. Father, I pray that in this very moment you would free some folks and I pray that they would lay those people down at your feet and say, God, I give them to you on your timetable. your timetable and I'll quit tracking the time and I'll quit making plans and I'll quit scheming and thinking well what I'm going to say or what I should have done and instead I will trust your integrity and I'll let you do it God I pray that you would allow that to happen in this moment
In Jesus' name. Would you do this with me? I understand that dealing with heart issues is a very private matter. I get that. I would just submit to you this morning that we all have heart issues. We all have heart issues. I'm standing here this morning and telling you that your pastor has more than physical heart issues. I have heart issues. <gasps> you too? Yeah, me too. But I know but I know who can deal with my heart issues. And I know who can deal with yours. Would you just take a moment this morning and maybe you want to kneel where you are. Maybe that's the the posture we need to take. In fact, that probably is the posture we need to take. We seem to be more willing to allow Jesus to deal with our heart when we're on our knees. I don't know what that's about. but Would you just find your own little private place just for a few moments before we recognize our guest this morning and all that. Would you just take a moment and find a place. If you're physically able, maybe just want to bow at your chair. And Would you just ask Jesus to do a heart scan on you this morning? Jesus, I'm giving you my heart. Come into my heart. Come on, let's do that this morning and then I'll close this in prayer. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.